diving. Hope comes and stops us in our tracks. Bravely we prove in our striving. Trudging together each day. Where there's a will, there's a way. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Trudging Together, or Raw Recovery, a Trudging Together podcast. Uh, Nate and I were having a little bit of fun right before the show, so kind of laughing. Uh, welcome. Uh, this is going to be the Friday edition. Um, so happy Friday, beginning of the weekend. Hope you're listening to this. Starting your weekend off right. Um, I met Nate in my home group. He's been there a few times, and I just love what he has to say. He's an open guy. He talks about his feelings, and he keeps it real. So, Nate, thank you for taking your Wednesday evening to come on and and share with us. Sure. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, as everybody knows, um, this is not my show. I'm just here to host. So, at this point, I'm going to go ahead and hand it on over to Nate. It is now the Nate Show. The Love Nate it. Show. My name's Nate. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Nate. Uh, um, so, yeah, so I met Dion uh, at a meeting. And, um, you know, it's a meeting that I've been going to for, I don't know, 20 years. <laughs> and uh, it's only been online um, since COVID. Yeah, three, uh, four years. What's that? Like three years now, I think. Yeah, that it's been online. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool because I've uh, actually met a number of people out of there that uh, I've been able to work with, work the steps with, and then uh, yeah, also being able to see a lot of people I haven't seen in uh, in quite a while. So I got um, <clears throat> like one of the gifts of sobriety was that I got married and. Yeah. Um, we started a family and then we've moved further away from Denver. Okay. Down south. So, um, I very rarely get to go to York Street. I usually go two or three times on there. Um, that's probably God calling to remind me to talk about what it was like to, but the, um, thing I was thinking about, um, you know, with like talking about, you know, being an alcoholic and getting sober mm-hmm. is that, you know, when I first came um, to AA, my uh, my hope was my hope was that somebody knew how to make alcohol work again. <laughs> like, that's really what I wanted. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. And I uh, I had I had quit drinking for good and for all about two years before I came into AA and uh, I essentially just drank against my will every day after that decision. Okay. Yeah. And I just couldn't, um, I just couldn't not drink. And the, the really hard part of that was that I, um, I had no, no positive benefit from drinking anymore. Like mm-hmm. it didn't, it didn't make my head get quiet. Yep. Didn't, um, help with, uh, you know, I, I had this like emptiness or this anxiety. Yep. This fear that like just was at my core and just followed me around mm-hmm. all the time. And alcohol used to just make that go away, but, uh, it didn't do that anymore. And, uh, and then I had the consequences of, yeah. you know, getting drunk and not being yeah. able to make it to work, not being able to meet with friends or, um, you know, have, have much of a social life once I started drinking. Yeah. And, uh, I, uh, really had hoped, you know, somebody knew how to fix that. And, uh, mm-hmm. I was willing to mix, I was willing to do whatever I needed to do. Um, to make that work, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't working. And, uh, yeah. I was, I was trying to put on the, 
the best face I could. Mm-hmm. I had this belief that uh, if I look good, I feel good. If you think I'm good, then I'm good. <laughs> and I walked into uh, my first meeting, okay. and I was late because I stopped to bail my buddy out of jail. So I got to the meeting about 30 minutes late, and okay. um, I uh, walked in the door, and I had uh, I had a bunch of stuff I was doing for work. So I had, you know, all my clothes were dry cleaned, and I just had a, a fresh shave and haircut and all that stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. the dude looked at me, and he goes, Man, you look like shit. Yep. And I just started crying. Mm-hmm. I just fell apart. And uh I just remember wow. there was another kid there who was sober. I say kid, he was we were in our twenties. Yeah. But he uh I was in my late twenties, he was probably earlier twenties. And he had just like had some altercation with the cops and I don't okay. know, he was doing a bunch of speed and stuff and he um he was like super intense. Yeah, bro. And I'm eight months, eight days sober. And, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and like the more intense he got, the more calm I felt. It was like, it was like, balancing oh, hey, out, hey. you know, my insanity. And, uh, I don't know. I just kind of had a sense that I, um, might, um, you know, might belong. I, I don't know. I didn't really think too much about it, but I felt comfortable talking to those two guys. And we talked, you know, for yeah. at least an hour and then I had to go back to work. And then they were telling me when the next meeting would be. And, um, you know, I had family members or people I knew who had come to AA. Yeah, right. And uh, I think looking back, I'm pretty sure they probably hadn't worked the 12. It's kind of crazy to go to a 12 step program and not work the 12 steps. Um, but I think that was probably the case. And, um, it was a part of the reason why I waited till the very, very end to come to AA. Cause I knew about it. We used to all joke sure. and say, you know, um, drunks drink, alcoholics go to meetings, That's right. you know, stuff like that. And, yeah. uh, I, I drink, you know, I drink, get drunk, fall down. No problem. Yeah. All is well. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, yeah. it's as long as I don't somewhere. run out. Yep, I'm good. And uh and back then they had the uh liquor stores closed on Sunday too. So yeah. as long as I made sure I had a good supply to last through the weekend, which uh even that I wasn't very good at managing. I wasn't either. I but I made it back. Yeah, it, it yeah. The management was not a high point for me. Um but I made it back to that meeting. And uh, I started going regularly okay. every day. I was trying to go at lunch and then as many times as I could after work. Sure. And um, I got about a week and a half into sobriety and uh, I couldn't work anymore. Like I couldn't sleep. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't uh, focus. I was crying in my office. Then I was like homicidal. Then I was like suicidal. Yeah. Yeah. I remember talking to my boss and I was like, bro, I need to take like a leave of absence. Like I was crying. He like shut the door. He's like, what the fuck is going on? You know what I mean? Like we were all like, yeah, yeah, men, 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 men. You know, like that was some weird shit crying in the office. Yeah. And so he's like, yeah, bro, take whatever time you need and whatever. And uh, so I just kind of moved into AA and uh, I really wanted to, kind of just like figure out what the secret was. And unfortunately people kept piling on evidence that when they stopped drinking, yeah. um, they couldn't stop thinking about alcohol yep. and that eventually they would start drinking again. And once they started mm-hmm. drinking, they didn't know where it was going to go. And then they yeah, would stop right. again, but nobody had the story of it stopped working. And then here's how it started working again, okay. you know? And, uh, And so I kind of started to become aware, like, there's not a way to do that. But, like, they had these 12 steps on the wall, and they're like, you got to do that. You got to ask some crispy old dude to boss you around and call you asshole. And you got to do whatever he says and work these steps out of this book. And uh, the whole thing sounded really frightening to me. uh, And people think we're joking, but they were a lot meaner 20 years ago. 
Oh, man. A lot were, but, they, but it was all out of love. Yeah. You know, there was that connection there. So. Well, and I think a lot of, a lot of the people I knew, I, I started out in Aurora and then I ended up in downtown Denver. And um, a lot of the people I knew had been on the streets or been close to the streets. Yeah. So they worked with people the way they were worked with, you know, when you come off the streets, like you're a lot rougher than if you come in, you know, working at a CPA firm. where I was. And I was in the Phoenix concept back in 1989. Oh yeah. And that's a, you know, Ray Hayworth was not nice. And I stayed my, I was like the fifth person through there. Yeah. Ray Hayworth was my first sponsor. Yeah. I'm a Phoenix, uh, I'm, I'm a Phoenix concept alumni. Yeah. From 1990. Oh, wow. Yeah. I knew him at the, uh, the smoking meeting I used to go to. Yeah. That was another thing. I smoked a lot of cigarettes. Yeah. A lot of cigarettes, a lot of coffee. A lot of cigarettes. Yep. And, uh, but you know, one of the things that was really crazy about coming into AA, like, in my mind, I was so bad that I was like coming to AA because it was going to help me. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I kept coming to these meetings and I would come home and then I would go back and I wasn't drinking, but I was getting worse. I wasn't getting better. Yeah. And I remember driving to a meeting thinking, like, I'm just going to take off my seatbelt and drive into this semi. Yeah. You know, like I had these like really morbid thoughts about how to die, but then I had this fear. Like, well, what if you don't die? What if you're quadriplegic? Yeah. Like, there's a hospital really close to here. So if you don't die, they're going to probably get you there and save you. And it's just going to be like you in a wheelchair. They're not going to let you drink. And I was like, okay, got to go to the meeting. But then I get to the meeting and people are like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm great. I'm fine. I'm Mm. just going to get some coffee and go in. Thanks for asking. I hope you guys are doing good, too. You know, and uh, I was, it wasn't until I was about 30 days of going to meetings and not doing shit in the program mm-hmm. that uh, I just snapped. Yeah. And I went to this meeting, and uh, I remember they had this conversation about, uh, well, so this started off, they didn't have a topic. And it was a late night, 1030 at night meeting. I okay. just had a big fight with my family. And... Uh, I uh, I was going to go to this meeting. There was a bar next door, and then I was going to jump on the highway. And I kind of, yeah. like, figured out how to do all that. And uh, they didn't have a topic, so I said, hey, why don't we talk about how everyone in AA is full of shit, and you're all a bunch of fucking liars. And, <laughs> and I was so pissed, bro. I was just going off. And uh, this dude across the room, he's like, you tell him, Nate. Fuck these motherfuckers. And he was going off and, and everybody else like you was laughing, you know, and that was pissing me off even more. Yeah. And so, uh, so I said, yeah, y'all think that shit's funny. Fuck y'all. And I just sat there and I was, I was ready for someone to like confront me, but nobody yeah, confronted me. For a fight. Yeah. People didn't want to fight. They were like laughing, like, and they were laughing with me, yeah. except that I wasn't laughing, you know, yeah. but they talked about untreated alcoholism. There it is. Treatment they ever had was alcohol. That's right. And that um, in AA, there was a solution for alcoholics that wasn't alcohol. Yeah. And, uh, and people just talked about their experience with that. And uh, the thing that I thought about was my grandmother praying her rosary. And I used to think that was the dumbest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And it's like she had these beads and she's like mumbling these words and mother this and Mary that and blah, 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 blah. And for the first time in my life, I thought, wow, maybe that was real. Yeah. Maybe like I don't know. And I think there was a crack at that point. Yeah. And like. Something cracked in my ego or my thinking or something. And this idea started to get in that maybe I had lost. Yeah. And that I just wasn't going to be able to have it whatever way I thought 
Sure. And I was just going to have to do this deal. And uh, so I, I just made a decision that night and I did what I thought was a prayer. And I asked God to just help me. And uh, I found this kid um, to uh, agree to take me through the steps. And he was, I don't know, four or five years younger than me. Okay. Um, I felt like we could do it my way, but he knew how to work the steps. You know what I'm saying? It was going to be this perfect thing. And so he gave me some directions and he said, Hey, next uh, Saturday we'll meet. He said, you do all this writing. He told me to read one of the, uh, the first chapter in that yeah. book, Alcoholics Anonymous. And then he said, write down everywhere you can relate. So, you know, Friday night, I'm like, Oh crap, I didn't do that stuff. And so, I sat down for about an hour and a half, two hours, and I yeah. just read through the book, and I wrote down, it was probably like eight-point single space on my computer, and then I printed it off. I had like a page and a half. And as I was driving down there from writing all that stuff down, you know, there was stuff this guy talked about. Um, people fancied him a leader. You know what yeah. I thought about, like, sports teams I had been on. And, you know, I was like, yeah, people let me lead the sports team. And, like, yeah. jobs I was in, people would come to me and ask me for direction yep. and ask me for help. And, um, you know, I could really relate with that stuff. And then he talked about, um, like, as he got older, um, that he wanted to go to school and he wanted to learn to be an attorney and all this other mm -hmm. stuff. And, uh Got, he was too drunk in the middle of one of his exams. Yep. And I remember going to uh, the university. I didn't take the SATs. Um, okay. So I had to take an entrance exam. I was applying right. for university. And um, they had a uh, little restaurant on the campus. So we did half of the test, and then we took a lunch break, and then come back and take the other half. Okay. So I had a couple beers at lunch and came back to take the rest of the test. Yep. And I had this uh, experience that I I used to think, you know, I had done lots of drugs and I had smoked. Yeah. And everybody else I knew who was doing the drugs I was doing or anyone I knew who bought a pack of cigarettes, like they bought another pack of cigarettes. You know, like yeah. you kept doing it. Like you, you developed this craving and you yeah. had to have more of it. And alcohol was the same way for me. And so I just assumed it was like that for everyone. And uh, that's the experience that I had taking that second half of the test. I just wanted to get the hell out of there and finish yeah. drinking. Yep. Like when I drank, I remember when I was a kid, when I first was able to drink, like the, um, it was like life filled me up. Yeah. You know, like it was dark. And then the lights came on, like there was a sunrise, there was this yeah. beautiful music, and I was, was able to... It was a spiritual experience in and of itself for me. Yeah. yeah. I was a part of life at last. At last, yes. Yeah. That was one of the things I related to in that guy's story, too. Like, And, and it, it was later that I found out other people didn't have that experience. And I remember kids when we would go to keg parties. And um, we get hammered, you know, you're just drinking yeah. fast. You don't know how to drink. You get sick and throw up everywhere. And <laughs> kids on Monday morning who were like, I'm never doing that again, Nate. And I'm like, what? Is it the weekend yet? It takes practice. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just come out the gate good at it. You got to yeah. work at it. And right. uh, when I was younger, I didn't have hangovers. Yeah, no, I didn't either. Yeah, they they didn't want to have that sick, throwing up, um, spinning type stuff. But yeah, I mean, I just thought they were weak. You know, I was like, I help those people mean? quitters. Yeah, quitters. I'll catch you later. You know what I mean? Like more for me. Yeah. And um, I uh, I kept going back. I kept getting better at it. You know, and mm -hmm. um, I think. Uh, as I was reading through that chapter, writing this stuff down, I really started reflecting on that. And I think the cool thing about that exercise was I really got a chance to kind of look at how my drinking when I was like in my teenage years was like fun 
And yeah. it was like amazing. And it like made life worth living. It, when I first started drinking, like I heard a guy talk about um, seeing the firefighters save the people next door. And uh-huh. he knew he wanted to be a firefighter. Yeah. That's how my first drink was. Yeah. I was like, yes, I want to drink every day for the rest of my life yeah. as soon as I can make that happen. And, um, and that's what I ended up doing. And I thought, like, the hard thing about when I was young is that I could drink and get hammered and have a great time and then not drink all week, you know, because mm-hmm. I had to go to school. Yeah. And my, my dad was not going to put up with that stuff. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, he'd have put me out. He'd be like, if you're drinking, like, you got to go get your own place, get a job, figure that out. So it, it had to really be on the on the down low and uh, yeah. mostly keep it to the weekends. And so as I got older, though, and then I finally moved out and got a job and all this stuff, I uh, I started having trouble. Like I couldn't I couldn't keep my drinking life separate from my work life. Yeah, I couldn't keep my drinking life separate from my relationship with my girlfriend. Um, I started doing music. I couldn't keep my drinking wow. life separate from the music. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some people you can work with. There's some times that are cool and things can blend in and people are like, yeah, we got so wasted the other night, you know, and then they're like, whoa, Tuesday night, bro. Really? You hit it like this yeah. on Tuesday night too, <laughs> you know, like Wednesday nights, like you called in sick Thursday morning and you're doing it, you know, yeah. they're like, what's up? But like for me, that's like my whole life revolved around that. Like yeah. it made, it made life worth living. And um, this guy talked about that in this first chapter of the book. And I just kept writing down, you know, the same stuff I felt. And I remember he was talking about like some really bad stuff happening because yeah. it was during the depression and the market crashed. And he's like, people were jumping out of skyscrapers, killing themselves. He's like, but not me. I went yeah. down to the bar and started drinking. And I was like, that's my plan, too. You know what I mean? He found his resolution. He was like, let him jump. I'm going to do this. Yeah. That's an alcoholic attitude right there. I I will fix it myself. There was another part where he talked about um, his uh, telling his wife, uh, you know, men of great genius, you know, drink (laughs) to develop these great philosophical thoughts. Mm -hmm. and. I had a girlfriend who was telling me like she was getting sick of my drinking and, and uh, I was like, you know, I'm writing this poetry and stuff. And like, that's how I tap into that side of my creativity. Yeah. It shuts off the like worrisome piece and lets me focus creatively. And I, uh, I spent a lot of my time defending it. It was like, it was like having a side relationship, okay. you know, like yeah. it was, it was an affair. I was and and the other people yeah. in my life were jealous of it yeah. until they were like, it's killing you, you know? Mm-hmm. And um I really, you know, as a kid, you know, had a pretty crazy uh life growing up and um my parents had uh like triplets after I was born and wow. um things got crazy, they split yeah. up, we kinda got split up with them. But we all lived close, um, but there was just a lot of chaos in our life yeah. and stuff like that. And um, a lot of the kids around me had lots of chaos. And um, drinking was like the eye of the storm. It was mm-hmm. like you could be in the chaos drinking and be just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you didn't think about it. And yep. um, sit on the porch, listen to music, watch the world go by. Yeah. Well, and the older guys in our neighborhood, too, like, that's what they were doing to deal with everything, yeah. you know? Lots of veterans, lots of, um, we were lived in, like, uh, in a housing kind of deal that the state yeah. sponsored. And so um, there were lots of folks in there, like, nobody worried about each other's families. We all had crazy families, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> and, uh, and everybody drank. But as I got older, and especially after I got sober and started doing this deal, I started looking back and I started to see, like, yeah. No, everybody didn't drink. No, everybody wasn't high. Everybody wasn't doing this. Like, it's what I thought I was seeing. 
driving. Yeah, and that's what I needed to see to make it okay in my head and stuff. Yeah, but, it's true. Um, but yeah, it was really great. And then uh, this guy talked about that in his story, you know, and he talked yeah. about like going here and drinking this stuff, and then going here and drinking that stuff, and you know, um, drinking with this person and that person and this girl and that girl, and um, you know, he had his wife and. Um, I had a girlfriend that it was like that and uh, okay. we finally had to split up because like my drinking was too much and yeah. I couldn't be sober when she got home from work and we weren't really doing much in the relationship. And man, when I started living alone, it got bad. Yeah. So then I had to get a roommate, you know, my buddy bought a house and, uh, but then he and I were drinking together yeah. and that got really bad. And, um, so I started living alone again, and uh, then I lived with my brothers, and um, I was in a uh, a band, and uh, you know, like even in the band, we had rules like like I can't start drinking until after we perform. Yeah. No matter how yeah. late it is, you know. Yeah. And if we're gonna perform right before the club closes or whatever, then I need to just bring alcohol in the car. Like, yeah. I can't drink can't before go we go there, on man. you guys are trying to be professional if you're drunk people are not going to appreciate that shit for sure and and for me like once i start drinking i have that that thing that i was talking about that like yeah. craving that comes in that like the same way that i would crave a cigarette yeah you know like the same way i would crave other drugs when i did them like mm -hmm. i felt that way for alcohol once i started i couldn't stop Yep. And uh, I didn't have control. I couldn't, like, drink moderately or regularly. No. or um, And some people are like that. And then by the end of the day, they're wasted. Like, I'm uh, wasted in a couple hours. Yeah. I, just, I start drinking. Give me 30 minutes. Yep. I can't slow down, you know. Even yeah. if I'm eating or whatever, like, I just end up getting hammered. And so I uh, started getting away from the band, getting away from the people, and, yeah. Um, you know, especially people who care about you, they start to worry, you know, like yeah. how you're drinking and, and that's what this guy was talking about in his story. You yeah. know, that people started worrying about him and um his friends who were like going, Hey, whoa, you need to slow down or whatever, da 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 like they started backing off. They're like, All yeah. right, dude, you go kill yourself. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we just don't want to watch it. Yep, we're not gonna watch it, we're not gonna enable you. And um yeah, so at the end, I was just pretty much alone. I was mm -hmm. living with my brothers, but I just lived in the basement. And yeah. I would hear them talking about me, you know what I mean? Should we do yeah. something? Can we help him? Like, God, he's so sad. And so and that's like my little brothers, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. nobody wants to hear that, you know? And so um, it still just went on and on. I had my sister. Um, so this guy talks about having some serious experiences and he ends up in a uh like a psych ward in the hospital yeah. like they didn't really have treatment centers or anything back then mm -hmm. they just once you got wet brain they just locked you up for good yep. so he was like headed for that and uh i had um my sister my uh, stepsister got in a horrible car accident and my brother and i drove down to see her she was in the icu and she was still out and I remember my stepmom was like, I talked to the doctors and you guys can sleep here. And this was a town that's about, you know, almost two hours away. Yeah. And I was like, I can't. Like, I have this really important thing at work. But the reality was I had been calling in the sick off yeah. and on to work so long. Like, I had to be to work. And yeah. I had to drink that night. Like, yeah. I wasn't going to be able to be in the hospital not drinking and and my brother's like, well, we'll just go hit the bar and have a couple beers and come back. I'm like, you know me, bro. I, I can't have a couple beers and come back to the hospital. Like, they're not going to let me in the door. I'm going to be hammered. You know, like, I just black out every night. That's how I go to sleep. The, the alcohol just didn't work for me anymore, you know. like, yeah. And I had tried and tried and tried to make it work. Um, but I was writing all this stuff down. Uh, in this uh, letter that I was going to meet this kid and talk about all this stuff. But what happened was as I was writing all this stuff down, reading this guy's letter and thinking about how miserable my life was that I had to come to this 
unnatural organization and uh, asked for help, I realized, like, this kid can't help me. And I realized I'm going to drink again. And I'm going to drink sometime soon. I don't know when I'm going to drink. And uh, so I remember meeting with him. He's like, he saw my, my letter there with all that little type and all the, the black on the white. And he's like, bro, bro, I don't got time to read all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, that's okay, man, because I've been smoking pot. He's like, oh, you've been smoking pot. I'm like, yeah, every day because I had been smoking weed. I didn't think weed was uh, like I was smoking weed same time I started smoking cigarettes. And uh, he's like, oh, I can't work with you, man. I can't work with you. And you've been lying to me and stuff. And so. I ended up leaving and uh, getting another guy to go through the steps with. And uh, he he was at another place called York Street, a club downtown. Yeah. And uh, I kind of told him what I was doing in that first step stuff. And I read that to him. And he's like, he's like, yeah. He goes, you sound pretty clear on your first step. He's like, so read this and for the second step. And so I kind of read that stuff he said and I did what he said. And I remember thinking about my grandmother and that rosary, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and that was the other thing. Like most of my family members all drank, you know, yeah, Irish Catholic and and she drank. She drank quite a bit and she had other stuff going on, too. Um, and, uh, you know, that was all like uh, like family doesn't talk about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we don't talk about that. You know, my grandpa had stuff going on. And, um, and then on my um, other side of the family, you know, my other grandpa was a bad alcoholic. But I didn't find out about how bad until later. later. But he had stopped drinking when I was a kid, and he was just okay. angry. Yep. He was angry. He was one of those guys that didn't do this program. He just stopped drinking, and he was yep. freaking angry, all the time angry. And and that was one of my deals, too. Like, drinking just made me happy and just relaxed. And when I wasn't drinking, I was so angry. And that's where I was at at that meeting, like, so angry. And um, the last two years of drinking, just not drinking, you know, had me there. And so I just remember, like, this guy told me, read uh, this other chapter, We Agnostics, and He's like, you need to just kind of come up with an idea of God. And uh, so I just had this idea of God that was like, you know, we're going to work together kind of thing. You know what I mean? But he was still, like, not happy with me. But, like, he was willing to give me a second chance kind of thing. It's kind of how I And so so I sort of, like, said that prayer again that I said originally. And then uh, I met with him, and he goes, hey. There's some directions in the book about how to write inventory. He's like, go home and read that and write down everything you can think of for that inventory piece. And so that's what I did. I went home and I wrote it all down. And it took me about three or four days. And uh, I remember I told him, hey, I got it all written down. What do you want to do now? And he looked at me and he goes, he goes, how are you doing all this? He's like, I've never had anybody get past the third step. <laughs> I was like, that was kind of like my first sign. I was like, uh oh, this ain't good. And uh, he goes, well, I don't do fifth steps. He goes, so I'm going to have you talk to my priest. And I was like, oh, I really don't want to go to church, bro. Like, what is this? And uh, but I was in this place where I was like, I'll go to any lengths. I don't. Yeah, you were following direction and being yep. accountable. Yep. And I called him, I remember from work and I said, and I was working, um, I don't know. I was working like 25 minutes from downtown and uh-huh. I told a guy I would give him a ride the opposite direction about 20 minutes. Okay. And uh, it was going to take about an hour to get to this meeting. And, uh, this was like during rush hour. So I was pretty sure I wasn't going to make it. Mm-hmm. So I called him and he goes, and I said, hey, you know, I had to give this guy a ride. He was just really stuck out. I, I don't know if I'm going to be late or be able to make it or whatever. He said, well, you better be there. It says six. And he hung up. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> so I gave this dude a ride to his house. And on my way down to meet this priest guy, I couldn't, 
I couldn't hit anything but green lights. Yeah. Every lane I went into, there were like no cars. I took a wrong turn and it was actually faster than the way I was going. You know what I'm saying? It was like, it was like meant to be. Yeah. Well, and he, then the priest asked me, he goes, so do you want to do the AA thing or the Catholic thing? And I was like, I don't really know what either one is. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was like, uh, I was like, well, we better just go with the AA thing, you know? And, uh, so I read him everything I had, which was horribly written. You know, I just wrote down like every reason that I'm a piece of crap. And, uh, all the things that I'm afraid of. And, um, and then I just kind of looked at him and he goes, Oh, that's interesting. He goes, you know, I listen to a lot of people do stuff like this or do confessions is what yeah. we call it in the Catholic thing. And he goes, he goes, um, a lot of people also talk about, and he just had this like conversational way of like offering me other topics. Yeah. And, and I was just cool. like, well, I've got experience with that, and I know about that. And he goes, what do you know about that? He goes, well, a lot of people who know about that have also told me that they were uh, upset about this. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm upset about that, too. And I'm so, you know, and he, like, kept uh, taking me through this, like, fourth step, fifth yeah. step kind of conversation. And we talked for an hour and a half, almost two hours. And I remember coming out of that conversation and uh, my sponsor friend was out there, and he's like, what the heck were you doing in there? He's like, mine took like 15 minutes. And I'm like, you must have done the Catholic thing. Yeah. And I accidentally chose the AA thing, and it turned into this long old thing. Yeah. So anyways, I uh, I was able to talk to him about, like, all this stuff that had happened. And one of the things – like two things that came out of that. One thing was I became aware that the drinking enabled me to treat people however I wanted, yeah. to do whatever I wanted to do, and then feel good. I could just drink and feel good. Yeah. Except that every morning I kind of had to start over. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I was able to um, – I guess kind of like uh not really consider the people but kind of feel like like I'm just running through these people's lives and at the same time I wasn't dealing with anything. That was another thing he brought up. He's like he's like you just keep packing that stuff down in there. Yeah. You know, and just keep drinking and uh he knew a lot about drinking. I I don't know what his drinking story was, but I'm sure uh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, he knew a lot about that, you know, and that thing that, like, a lot of people will drink, like, they'll start school or go to college and they'll drink and they'll drink way too much. But then they kind of realize, like, hey, this is going too far. I need to yeah. back off. And then they'll uh, um, stop, you know, or they'll just wave, pull it back, you know. But for an alcoholic, it just gets more and more mm -hmm. and more like when that train starts rolling then it starts rolling downhill um it is uh it's intense you know it intense, is. crazy and uh i uh the other thing he told me is he said hey it's really interesting that you um are so afraid of god you have this fear of god but then you're willing to treat people however the hell you want to treat them. Yeah. And, uh, and that really stuck with me. He said, he said, what I suggest you do is you go home and you have a conversation with God that starts with, listen here, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was like, whoa, bro. Like you, you can't talk to God like that, you know, but I felt like I had permission. So I went home and I started the conversation like that, except I was like, listen here, motherfucker, you know, and I just went off. And um, at the end of it, I just felt like, like God was there with me, like, like, all right, we good. You know what I mean? Like, 
like with a friend who like screwed you over or something or you screwed them over and you guys just have it out, you know, and then at the end you're like, all right, we bros again. Yeah. You know what I mean, like this bump and go on our ways. Yeah. And I felt like, I felt like there was something new there. And so I, um, I ended up having to work the rest of the steps kind of by myself because okay. he had never been further than the fifth step. So <clears throat> I had read the rest of the book. And then I had talked to some people about how to make amends, but pretty much I just made financial amends. Out okay. of that. I, I yeah. kind of knew. And there was another guy I asked to take me through the steps more thoroughly. Yeah. And um, he helped me to write my first like really thorough inventory okay. and to look at each relationship and to look yeah. at each resentment and each fear and, um, Cut really out more to causes and conditions and that yeah, one. and to cut ties with the past and yeah um and and when I got to the eighth step, you know that's the step where we've got a list of the people that we've wronged and we're willing mm-hmm. to set it right with all of them and uh and but you do it one at a time, and so I was writing down these um these cards to like meet with people okay. and um I just remember like how hard it was to try to put myself in their shoes. Like okay. <clears throat> how would I feel if someone had done this to me, mm-hmm. they were coming to apologize or to admit they were wrong and ask how they could set it right. Like what were they going to do? And um, how, how would I want them to approach me? Like yeah. I just want to feel good. You know, like, I don't, this is going to make me feel bad. Like, I don't want to feel bad. I want to feel good. And, um, and it took a while of us going back and forth. And he'd be like, he put a check mark on cards. He's like, that one's good. You can make that one. Try to get in touch with this person. He's like, do not fuck with this one. Don't mess with this one. He's like, you need to put more thought into these. And, um, at one point I had just written a bunch of stuff down. He was like flicking the cards off the porch. I was so pissed. And he's like, Oh, did you put more thought into it than this? Like he didn't even look at him. You know what I mean? Like, and the truth was I hadn't, I was just trying to check the box and move on and feel good. And, um, you know, we have the stuff we call like promises or the blessings of this program and stuff. And, uh, I was just trying to get that for me. Yeah. I, um, I finally, you know, realized like, no, I need to go all in and do this. And I need to um, ask this power, you know, that like, help me write all this stuff down. Help me talk to that priest, you know, help me not kill myself. Help me to ask for help. Help mm-hmm. me to write it all down again. You know, help me to read it to this guy. Help me to write these cards. Help mm-hmm. me call these people and start making some appointments. And, um, and that's what I started doing. And some of them went really good. And some of them were really easy. Like my family ones were pretty easy. They were just like, yeah, dude, (laughs) like don't drink, don't kill yourself, stay in touch. So we know you're alive. Like all is well. Um, other ones were hard. I had some work ones that were not too fun and, I had a guy at work. I was just a gossip, man. I just, I was so unhappy. I would tell anybody who would listen and I would always blame somebody for my unhappiness. You know, yeah. oh, I can't believe Tommy, this bullshit and the blah, 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 blah. So a part of my amends was like, yeah. I came to you with my complaints about Tommy instead of going yeah. to Tommy. And I fucking went to Tommy with my complaints about you instead of coming to you. You know what I mean? Like, it was horrible. And, uh, but a lot of people were like, yeah, we were all talking shit. You know what I mean? And then other yeah. people were like, I can't believe you went to Tommy. I'm like, man, you were talking shit about Tommy to me. But <laughs> when I made the amends, I was directed. Yeah. I don't say, I don't get to say that. Correct. I just listen to them, you know? Yeah. And I go, you're right. You know, you're right. And, and that's why I'm here because that's wrong. That was yeah. not right. And I want to set that right. Yeah. And so, you know, the financial ones, um, <clears throat> were, uh, were tough, but they were kind of fun too, cause you gotta negotiate them. Um, they're not as much fun when you're negotiating with people that you care about. 
Yeah. You know, but like <laughs> the businesses and stuff, you find out yeah. people are like, they would like to get some money. They're like, rope me off. They're like, sure, yeah. you're calling to pay. Like, yeah, let's yeah. settle up on pull it. Your, you know? Go pull your credit report. Start making those financial amends. Yeah, man. exactly. And, uh, and it's just one at a time and just working through it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, nice I got, yeah, like the credit's crap. You know, this is all messed up. Like, it wasn't going to ever get better anyways. So yeah. now it's going to take time, but I'm going to work on it. Yeah, and each probably. day I'm going to be, you know, living life a little better. Yep. But I'll tell you, the the deals with my family didn't really change um, until my mom passed away. And I was the executor of the estate. And uh, that was the place where... Um, I, <clears throat> I had to really make that amends and, okay. uh, I really had to listen to them. And, uh, you know, they, they had a lot of anger towards me. Yeah. Understandably. And, uh, they didn't trust me. And, um, you know, I just in asking for help, I was, uh, going through the steps with a guy. I was probably, I don't know, nine or 10 years sober. I was um, going to a counselor, you know, a grief yeah. counselor, going yeah. to a grief group, you know, through this church that I had joined. Um, and uh, and I just made a decision, like, whatever it takes. Like, and it was a small estate. It wasn't like there was, like, money in the estate. It was just a little yeah. small estate. And uh, I was like, let's just spend all the money in the estate and fix this, you know. And... Uh, they were like, well, let's don't spend it all. <laughs> you know what I mean? But <laughs> found a place where I was like, I don't even care about the money. You know, like, <clears throat> let's just, let's just make sure we're good, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's what ended up happening. We've been yeah. good since that. It hasn't like become some miracle relationship, yeah. but it's like a way better relationship. And we're yeah. just normal people with each other now. At, at least now you can talk. You can have yeah. conversations. You can come up with solutions instead of just being a jerk. You know, a lot of times I just argued because I wanted to argue. Yeah, or I would just tell people, you know, I would tell them like, oh, well, here's why your life's so fucked up. Let me yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on you like. Uh, listen to me on that. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, my high horse is, you know, depression. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I got to that place where I was able to like really make that amend. I I try to tell people that a lot too. Like, yeah, like making amends is like opening a door, you know, and then it's continuing to work this program that allows us to, or allows me to stop making more mistakes, like to stop, Starting fires, essentially. That's how you say yeah. starting fires, you know, starting trouble. And to, um, you know, start to, um, like, heal, like, and be a part of the healing. And some of that go. stuff takes a long time. And there's people, like, that probably never want to see me again, you know. And um, Me too. Yeah. Yep. And I ghosted a lot of people. That was another one. Like, whenever people got close yeah. to me, I just disappeared. And so now... I make it a point to really stay close to those people. Yeah. Um, but I ended up meeting my wife through amends. I made amends with my dad and okay. uh, he invited me to come back to church. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I was totally not pumped. Wow. About that, but yeah. Like, whatever. It's your show, God. This yeah. is what you want me to do. He was happy that I was coming back. Like it was a part of the amends. So I was like, all yeah. right, like, why not? It's not like he asked me to run some dope across town or something. So yeah. I was like, all right, I'll him. show yeah. up. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's what I can do. And I ended up meeting her there, going to a dance class. And uh, I totally didn't see that coming. Man. You know, I was trying to meet other crazy people in AA, you know, and uh, that uh, that turned into us, you know, having a couple kids and, um, no. you know, I'll tell you one of the things that, um, working this program 
has helped me with so much. I spent, you know, I come from an alcoholic family. Okay. And then I spent, um, until I didn't get sober until I was 29, I spent all that time drinking. Mm-hmm. And wonderful times in the beginning, then less, and then just miserable at and the end. And then nothing. And uh, during all that time, I didn't learn how to relate with people. I yeah. didn't learn how to solve problems. No. I didn't learn how to experience, like, not even deal with feelings. I didn't learn how to experience feelings, oh, you yeah. know. And so I get sober, you know, at about five years. Uh, we had our first child. And um, I just remember thinking, like, we got a dog before we had the kid. And I remember how much struggle I had with the dog. I remember some guy goes, I freaking hate these people that come to AA and they talk about God. And then they go home and kick their dog. I'm like, God damn it. I'm that guy. So I had to share. I'm yeah, like, I'm, I'm, late, I'm that guy. I shared about God, kicked my dog, you know, like he bit yep. me and I kicked him. And, um, but he bit me because I didn't know how to be a dog owner. Anyways, this guy, a friend of a friend gave me a tape about training dogs i watched the tape the problem was all me the dog and i were right as rain after that you know but that's the same thing with like helping other drunks get sober you know it's like it's like i i do what people showed me how to do and then when we get to stuff that we don't know we ask somebody else for help you know like we we talk about like who do you want to talk to How do you want to talk? Like, let's ask for help, especially around Mm. amends and stuff like that. Like, I've helped people with um, mental illness where I'm pretty heavy um, prescriptions. Mm. And, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about that. They're like, I don't know. What should I do? So I'm like, well, let me talk to some people. And uh, this one guy that I know who takes a lot of prescriptions for stuff like that. He goes, that motherfucker needs to talk to his doctor. Nate, you're not a goddamn doctor. I was wow. like, oh, <laughs> so I went back to him. You're like, but if you don't know this stuff, you don't yeah. know this stuff. Well, yeah, there, that's why I say there's no stupid questions in recovery. Just there's no answers. Yes. Yeah, and it's, and I'll tell you the, the thing that's really come from this deal is that that twelve step process of, um, going through steps one through nine and then practicing steps ten, eleven, and twelve. Like over the years, I've kind of done it every year. And then a lot of times I've kind of done like little mini adventures during the year through it. But the thing that I've started to see is I've started to learn how to experience feelings. I've started to learn how to watch my thoughts and to be able to let there be space between the thoughts and the feelings and my actions. Yeah. So, so much of my life, my friend and I used to have this expression, for every action, there's an equal and opposite overreaction, you know, <laughs> and that's just how we rolled. And, uh, and now I start to see, like, I can have a thought and I can have a feeling and the two can seem totally related to me yeah. when I spend some time with it. Like the feeling is actually two or three feelings, mm-hmm. the thought is actually unrelated to all three feelings you know and i'm ready to take action yeah. and it's like <clears throat> i've if there's anything that's really come out of this deal for me it's been less action and more pausing and waiting and absolutely yeah there's, there's something about delayed gratification number one and taking those and I don't do two extra seconds. I do four. Why not double that? And it gives me time to really think about it first. Because I yeah. need to do that. If I react, I'm usually wrong. Yep. Even now. Well, and a lot of my preparing for the day, my kind of like prayer meditation to focus on the day, really centers around like who's in my life today, you know? Yeah. Where do I have issues with people? Where do I have happiness with people? Like, there's a lot of times I just start laughing and people are like, what's so funny? 
I'm like, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but my mind just like ran through a bunch of stuff. Like, yeah. like I'm in it. I'm, I'm, I'm in the, I read two emails and I look at like the stats of something and yeah. I'm in a goddamn conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> and they're coming to get me and I'm ready to just fucking just go in and just take action now. Yeah. And I just start laughing. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck is this? Like, like yeah. It's, it's like, like okay. a movie. Can we get a little more ridiculous, Dion? Let's let's make this worse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Where it's yeah. just, you know, you gotta laugh at yourself when you have those old thoughts, when you have that old behavior crop up. Well, all you can do is laugh. Oh yeah. There, because we know we're not going to do it, and the, sure. even the thought coming across is just ridiculous to us now. Yeah. And we laugh because. We feel free. We're laughing because it's like, oh, that's right. I don't live that crappy life anymore. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is the, um, you know, like from the drinking, like the the hardest thing for me to understand in coming to AA is that drinking is the solution. Yeah. Because drinking became such a horrible horrible problem for me and like i feared it like i did not want to start drinking again it was just so horrible but in the beginning it was the most wonderful thing ever yeah and the the question that i never asked in before i started drinking was what's wrong with just being me and that has been the question in sobriety that has just opened up my whole world like I absolutely agree. That, and that's the great thing is I get to be just me. I don't need to be anything more than that because God has me the way he wants me. So I don't need to worry about that. I just get to be me. Yeah. And I'm a little crazy and that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, then that's perfection. You know, like I don't yeah. have to, I don't have to attain perfection. Right. <laughs> I just need to be perfect, right. you know, with all my imperfections, you know. That's with, right. I'm but, perfect the way I am. But even imperfection is a judgment, you know. That Correct. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy that helped me um, at two years. I uh, got so angry in sobriety, and okay. I just wasn't talking to people, and I was angry at my sponsor, and um, I was, like, in a corner – and I finally asked this dude for help, and, uh, man, he really helped me set me free. But I remember the first time we met, he goes, he goes, there's only one ground rule for us meeting, Nate. I'm like, what's that? And he said, I'm like, you can't talk about this. You can't talk. He goes, all is well. He goes, now let's start with why you don't agree with that. Yeah. I was like, motherfucker, all is not well. Like, And I started laying it on him, you know what yeah. I mean? And and that's he was absolutely right though. Yeah, he was. We say, oh, we're okay. Or the newcomer comes in and we're patting him on the head, telling him it's okay when it's not okay. They right. must understand the seriousness of their malady. And yep. sometimes you need to shove their head in the water and make them realize that. I saw that from Ray Hayworth, by the way. Well, and it's between my ears. Mm-hmm. That I think everything is not okay. Correct. But it's it's really <clears throat> back to that question: What's wrong with just being me? And he would say that he would say it differently. He's like, "Well, what's wrong with that?" He's like, "Well, how come you're talking to people that tell you that you're not okay?" He's like, "How come you're?" He's like, "Is it just one person that said that? How come you're only talking to one person that keeps telling you you're not okay?" Yeah. How come you're not getting a second opinion about that? Yeah. How come you're da 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 da? He just had all these questions. I'm like, bro, these are facts. But why? Like, they're fact. He's like, they're That's not facts, it. bro. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, they're not facts. He's like, you think you're dealing with facts, Nate? You're not dealing with facts. You're dealing with ideas and beliefs. Yeah. Yeah, and man, I've spent the rest of the years since then just. <laughs> poking holes in those ideas and belief systems. Yeah, you got to dig. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to question yourself. 
And sometimes yep. you're going to be wrong. In fact, I'm wrong quite often. But that's how I learn. Because I fall down and let God pick me back up. And yep. it's oh, and every time I fall down, it doesn't hurt. It turns out it it's fine the way that it is. Yep. So that I can live free today. And then what does that do for me? It opens me up to go save somebody else's life. Yeah. Well, sometimes you just need to get comfortable lying down, you know, like, why do I keep getting up? Like, stay down, you know, and then you stay down, you start seeing stuff flying over. You're like, oh, the wind's blowing really hard up there. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I keep getting up, you know, and then it's like, (laughs) it's like, yeah. The wind stopped blowing, (laughs) mom. For sure. But, you know, one of the things that um, really helped me with, like, even, like, being a husband, being a father, Mm -hmm. being an employee, has been working with another alcoholic in AA. Like, helping, like, the working with the people, helping me, and having that experience of how freaking hard it is to admit that I'm wrong, to admit what I did, to admit that I don't know, and to be willing, when I help somebody else, to sit there in silence while they search for the courage to admit it themselves. You know, yep. like, like I'm going to give it to you up to this point. But then it, it's like, uh, what do they say? We give uh, a hand up, not a hand out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the like, old step 13 slogan. Yeah. You got to grab That's my hand. Step 13. I'll I help. I was a client there once too. Oh, nice. <laughs> So, Nate, this has been a blast. And, uh, you know, what I really took from this, I mean, I, I took a lot from this. But there was one saying, it was in the beginning, and it was, it's the part where, you know, alcohol worked really well. But at the end, it did nothing for me. And my wife actually, my wife and I sat down a couple of times and figured out, how long Dion is okay when he drinks? It was five minutes. That's the only time during a 24-hour period I was okay. Yeah. And I couldn't live with alcohol or without alcohol at that point. So just that, 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 for, it, that really got me for some reason. So... But thank you for coming on and taking your time. What a, that, was, that was wonderful. I love the way you went about it, too. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. <clears throat> I, I probably spend a lot more time these days working with people <clears throat> who've been sober yeah. um, for a little while. But yep. it's the uh, it's those early days, you know, that, like, just kind of, set the foundation for everything. It's that, just that utter hopelessness, you know. But I'll tell you, I'll just, like, wrap it up with this. But my problem when I came to AA, my problem with sobriety was not hopelessness. My problem was hope. I had this hope that I was going to find somebody who could show me how to make it work again. I had hope that I was going to take a drink today, and it was going to be different than all the days before. Because today I was going to fill in the blank. You know, I had this hope that I was going to meet the right girl. I had this hope that I was going to meet the right band. I had this hope that I was going to blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't until I started sitting down with people in AA and talking about their drinking. I wasn't even ready to talk about mine. We just talked about theirs and their hopelessness that I started to like experience some of that hopelessness. And it was once I started to develop that hopelessness that I became willing to ask for help. But I had to smash the idea that I could make it work again, that it was ever going to have any value. Yeah. We have to, we have to smash the idea that number one, we're never going to drink like normal people. And number two, we don't really want that in the first place. We just want to get drunk. I just want to go back to how I felt at 13. Exactly. If I can have that forever, great. Oh, yeah. But it's not going to happen. Nope. Yeah. So, which is fine. Life is much better now. Um, 
But, you know, I feel like, you know, and this will be a good thing to end on. I'm, I'm of the, of the type of alcoholic that I'm actually grateful that I am an alcoholic. Hmm. Because I don't see any other reason I would have sought for God. Right. And I love God so much that I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for all the bad things. I'm grateful for all the good things because it made me who I am today. And I love me. Yeah. Well, and today is really happening today. And all the stuff that happened in the past, it isn't happening anymore. Yeah, it's gone. And there's nothing I can do about it except be better today. Yeah, and that takes a lot of work to get there. It does. It's worth it, though. uh, Yes. It's worth every second of any time you put into yourself is worth it. Absolutely. Yep. It's been fantastic. All right, to the to the audience, thank you for being here. Happy Friday night. Um, I certainly hope you enjoyed our show tonight. I appreciate everything. I love you all. You know I do. Peace out and have a day. <laughs>